Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. Before we get started, I want to ask you this. If you are a faithful listener of this podcast, number one, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm glad you tune in every week because that means people are listening to the show. Number two, I would love for you to leave a review about this show. So, you know, five stars, if you think it's worth five stars, a short few sentences, written review on the podcast app of your choice. Apple Podcasts, rated on Spotify, whatever you want to do. When you do that, it helps people find the show and helps continue to expand the listening audience. And it helps me keep doing this. So if you don't mind, and if you haven't yet, please rate and review. As part of this podcast partnership with Brick and Elm Magazine, I want to give a podcast shout out to Cowgirls and Cowboys in the West online at cowgirlsandcowboysinthewest.com and the city of Tucumcari, New Mexico online at visittucumcarinm.com. You can read the free e-edition of Brick and Elm at brickandelm.com. Today's guest is Randy Ray. Now, if you live in the Amarillo Canyon area, you probably know Randy as the Director of Broadcast Engineering at West Texas A&M University. Or maybe you know him as the current City of Canyon Place 5 Commissioner, and he does both of those things. Randy is a Pampa native and a WT grad, but before returning to Amarillo, he lived in Nashville, where he was a musician and studio manager. So in the early 1990s, Randy played bass for a band called Legend 7. It was a Christian rock band that toured all over Europe and the United States. They had several top singles on Christian radio. And then after the band broke up, Randy managed Sunset Studios. And at the time, this was the largest soundstage and recording studio in the South, there in Nashville, where he worked with artists like Garth Brooks, Leonard Skinner, Spike Lee, so there you go. He's, he's lived uh, a very interesting life. I'm happy to have him here in the podcast studio. Here's Randy Ray. Randy Ray, welcome to the Hamrella podcast. Thanks for being here. Oh, I'm glad to be here. Well, I'm glad to have you. I know that uh, we've, we've known each other for a while, and I want to start with you, though, the same way I've started with all my guests, and just ask you why you're here in this area. How did you end up in Amarillo Canyon area? Yeah, you know, I'm a native to the area. I grew up in Pampa. Okay. And uh, went to school in Pampa. I was raised in Pampa. Didn't know what I was going to do when I graduated from high school about two weeks before the semester started. Someone handed me a West Texas State University catalog. That long ago, so you dated yourself. And I thumbed through it, and I saw mass communication, radio, TV. I said, man, that that looks kind of fun. So I ended up going to school for that, and I really found a home there. Okay. I found, I found, really, I found my passion there. And WT was really a life-changing place for me. And so I, I went to WT and I graduated from there, got married. Uh, my wife, Anita, and I lived in Amarillo for about seven months. And in those seven months, she and I had a lot of discussions about what our goals were, what we wanted to do, what our dreams were. And you know, and I told her my dream had always been to work in the music industry in Nashville. Mm-hmm. So she was very supportive, and, and just being married to newlyweds, we moved to Nashville, and that was really a blessing in disguise for us. What know? year was that you moved to Nashville? Uh, we got married in 86. That was We moved in 87. Okay. So it's been a while ago, and we ended up spending 20, 15, 20 years out there. 
So we got out to Nashville and um, started working. Uh, she she was working in the banking industry, which was fortunate, which helped get us out there. <laughs> yeah. uh, because I was working in the music business. I was a mu- I've been a musician most of my life. So I went out there, and my my first job out in Nashville was working for Gaylord Entertainment, uh, okay. which which included the Grand Ole Opry, uh, which was then the Nashville Network. Uh, I worked at the Opryland Hotel a lot. And so I did that for a few years, and when I was doing that, I reconnected with some friends of mine from Amarillo, a guy by the name of Andy Denton and a guy by the name of Billy Williams, both Amarillo natives, had moved out there about the same time I had. And we reconnected, and we started a band out there, and we started uh, playing around and got the attention of Grammy award-winning producer Bubba Smith. Okay. And uh, so he took us under his wing, and he molded us, and uh, we were one of the fortunate few that got to sign a record deal. Um, I, in the early 90s, uh, I, we, we signed with Word Records, which is pretty prestigious. Yeah, that was, label. that was yeah. a big label back then. Yeah, we were the first rock band signed directly to a Word label, so hmm. it was really cool. So I, I did that for several years. Um, Billy and Andy and I and a guy by the name of Mike Jacobs, um, we, we toured. We did two national CDs. Each one sold about 30,000 units, which is pretty good. Tell uh, listeners the name of the band. name of the band was Legend 7. Yeah, I have been in 46 states on the road. I've been in been been to Europe a couple of times playing. So that was really great. We had some songs that made it on the Christian music charts, uh, made some videos. So That was kind it, of the heyday of the... Christian music industry. Yeah. At least it, it, maybe it was the peak. It, it sort of started to change, I think, in it the did 90s. Change. But Not, you, were, you were a little bit ahead of that. Yeah. Uh, you know, you don't hear a lot about Christian rock now. Mostly it's praise and worship. But I, I, I kind of feel like we kind of helped usher that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about churches. Um, back when we started playing our music, Boy, we you know we got we raised a lot of eyebrows when we would play in churches. Stylistically, how, how would you categorize it? For people who haven't heard Legend Seven, it's it's like uh, Aerosmith or Bad Company with okay. Christian lyrics. You All know? right, so you can imagine how that went over in your conservative Baptist churches or whatever. So, but but if you look at churches now, I mean, most churches have basically a rock band. Yeah, in them. So I, I you know, I may probably taking too much credit, but I think we helped usher that in maybe just a little bit. You know, I'm I'm curious to hear from you because when you think of that, you everybody, every kid who's into music dreams of growing up and being in a band. And I wonder, since you were able to get to that level where you were recording with a legit label, you were touring, you were going overseas, like was the experience, did it match up with maybe that childhood dream? I always wanted to be in the music industry or I wanted to be in a band. Was the reality you know, the same as, as what the dream Yeah, was? that's a good question. Sometimes. Okay. And sometimes certainly not. You know, I mean, I have I have played in front of 20,000 people in Europe, you know, and it's fantastic and it's a huge stage and lights and fog and it's great. But then I've also set up and we've played for 15 people and they weren't too happy to be there. Yeah. So it's kind of both, you know, and that's, again, that's Christian. The Christian music industry is kind of different too, but... Um, Sometimes it's fantastic, but also sometimes it was a struggle to make a living mm-hmm. at times too. So yes and no, I guess is the answer to that. Question. And you were married at the time. I mean, how I was married how at the time. did the thank, thank, touring aspect like? How did you deal with that? Well, I'm fortunate to have a very patient wife, and uh, she was very supportive. And really, she supported me for you know because you didn't. Contrary to what a lot of people think, money's not rolling in. You know, mm-hmm. especially in Christian music. I mean, we were touring and playing places. 
but we made most of our money selling T-shirts. You know, by the time the record label gets their bite mm -hmm. of the deal and you pay promoters and you pay for the production, all that stuff, there's not a whole lot left. So I was very fortunate to marry a, a very understanding woman that understood me being gone for, you know, weeks, months at a time. And and that's that, and honestly, when when my daughter came along, that's kind of when I started to say, yeah, I don't know if I want to be yeah. gone all this. Life much. on the road is it's hard tough. as it's a parent. Tough. For it's sure. great and it's tough. It's same, it's like your answer before. It's yes and no. Um, I loved playing. I love. There's something special about getting to play every night. You as a drummer know what I'm talking about. When you get to play consistently, you just get better. Mm -hmm. So I loved that. What I didn't love is being being gone from home and. Also, you don't you don't get to see things. You get to see the inside of the bus, the inside yeah. of the van, the inside of the venue, and that's pretty much yeah. it. A dingy green green room in some yeah, places. Yeah, so it's not yeah. like you're out on vacation. It's work. When you started to get the idea that that maybe that phase of your life was was coming to a close, um, you know, fatherhood and and those sorts of things, and and maybe even the changing industry. Did you know what you wanted to do beyond that? Like, did you have a well, if I can't be a rock star, here's my fallback. Well, it, it was still kind of tied into that because after I was got off the road, I started managing a studio okay. out there. And it was a big, giant complex that had a sound stage. It had two big sound stages. It had a recording studio. It had a rehearsal studio. So a lot of directors, a lot of musicians, a lot of well-known country artists. I got to work with a lot of different artists uh, by managing that facility. Uh, I've worked on films with Spike Lee. I've worked with Robert Altman, if you know who he is. Mm -hmm. I've worked with artists like Shania Twain and Leonard Skinner and Garth Brooks and Neil Diamond. So that was a cool thing I got to do, too, just being around other artists and getting to getting to know them. I mean, it, it was, it was, I can remember how surreal it was growing up in Pampa, Texas, listening to Leonard Skinner yeah. and then going to work. In Nashville, and the lead singer from Leonard Skinner is sitting at my desk, you know, and getting to have a conversation with him. So it's, you know, that was a fun part of my life. And that, that studio side, that's not a side that a lot of people see. I mean, we're, we're familiar with the finished product. We see performances on stage. Um, you know, dealing with the, the intimacy and, and, and maybe the roughness of that studio setting where stuff's being developed, that's a different part of the industry. Yeah. It's not an e like you say, it's not easy. Those guys go into studios, and they may be there for months. No, it's not glamorous either. I mean, they, no, it's I, hard I mean, work. It's hard work. And uh, my, my studio, because it was so big, uh, a lot of times people like Garth Brooks and Kenny Rogers would come in, and they that's where they would rehearse for going out on tour. So they would bring in all the production. They'd bring in the stage and the lights and the sound and all that stuff. And then, you know, they'd be with me for a month every day, mm -hmm. working 12 hours a day, just getting ready to go out on tour. Right. How long did that Nashville period last for you? Well, it was about 15 years. And in the last two or three years I was out there managing that studio, I got a call from Middle Tennessee State University that said, that, can we send some interns to your studio? I said, yeah, I'd love to have them. And they got a good report uh, from the interns working with me. So they asked me, uh, to teach a class on studio management. Okay. So they said, they said if you would teach this class on studio management, we will pay for you to go to grad school, which was a great deal. So I taught out at Middle Tennessee State for the last couple of years we were at Nashville, in Nashville, um, which was another great experience. I love teaching. And that's when I got a call from uh, West Texas A&M University. Mm -hmm. uh, they said, we've heard about the work you've done managing studios. We are getting ready. Um, this was in 2002. 
We're getting ready to build a new $32 million fine arts complex. Would you be willing to move back and help us with the design process and after that's done, help us manage the, the studios and, and teach some classes? And to be honest with you, I, my wife and I, by that time we had two kids, we had to really think hard about it because we love Nashville. Yeah. Nashville had been really good to us and we had good friends there. We had a good church there. But I also knew that if I was ever going to get the opportunity to move back to Amarillo, this might be the only chance we'd get. And we still have family in Pampa. So I, I, I came back, interviewed for the job, got the job, and took the job. And, and that's been one of the uh, best decisions I've ever made. It's a big change, though. I mean, even even though the focus was still maybe on, you know, communications, the recording industry or the studio, going from running it, you know, in a, a commercial setting to managing it in an ed- educational or mm-hmm. academic setting, like that's a, a shift in how you approach the job. And I wonder if that was something that came easily to you, the teaching aspect, or if that was, was harder than you thought. It came easily for me because... Like I mentioned, when I was teaching out at Middle Tennessee State for two or three years, which I really loved, but but moving back and working at West Texas A&M was a, a natural fit for me, and this is why. I don't know that I'm a naturally born teacher. Okay. But here's what I am. I am I I, I feel like I am a natural born encourager of these students that come from these little towns in the Texas Panhandle, come from Amarillo, that are like me. And I want to encourage them, if you want to dream big, go for it. If you want to be a movie maker, if you want to be a recording engineer, if you want to be a news anchor, if you want to, if you want to make film, whatever, you can do it if you are hungry enough. And that's what I feel like my main calling is. Yeah, I enjoy the teaching aspect. When it's clicking in the classroom, there is nothing better. But I feel like my main calling, my main job here, is to encourage students to dream big. Tell me what that has looked like, you know, over the past couple decades you've been at, at WT now. I mean, you, you came when there was a big investment in the fine arts complex. Yeah. Obviously, right now, the, the university's in a, another investment period. They're always adding new stuff and, and looking to the future. Like, how has the university itself changed while you've been there? Well, I love West Texas A&M, and it keeps getting better and better all the time. I really, I really believe that. I can, I can remember when West Texas State University became part of the Texas A&M University system, mm-hmm. and I can remember people complaining about that. Oh, we don't want to be Aggies. But I want to tell people it has been nothing but a blessing for yeah. us because we, that's why we have a $32 million fine arts complex. That's why we have a new ag complex. That's why we have, that's why the campus has changed so much. When I came back in 2002, the campus looked exactly like it did when I, when I graduated in 84. But now, man, it's so much different than it was. So that has been a blessing. So I think WT uh, continues to evolve all the time. And I think it continues to get better. Our university president, uh, Dr. Walter Wendler calls it the heart and soul of the Texas panhandle. And I think he's right in a lot of ways. I want to talk about the students that, that come through uh, that you deal with. I, I think a lot of people, you know, understand it as, you know, the university here in the Texas Panhandle. And so we get a lot of people, you know, from some of the smaller towns, from Pampa and Borger and places like that. But we've also got students coming from southeast Colorado, from mm-hmm. Kansas, from, you know, down south Texas. I'm always surprised when I meet students who are from someplace that 
doesn't seem like WT should be on their radar and they end up here. And I, I wonder what you've kind of learned about that and how that works. You know, Jason, I, I've told Dr. Wendler this, and I think WT's biggest problem, and maybe it's, is that it doesn't brag on itself enough. Mm-hmm. You know, we are part of the AM system. One of there's 11 schools in the AM system, and, and, and we are the premier program in communication in the entire really? AM system. Um, so I think we need to brag on ourselves more. And I, and I think if we did that more, I think we're going to see even more of those students you talk about coming from Colorado and New Mexico and stuff. I think when they, those students get here that are outside our area, the first thing that they discover is our culture. And I, I talk about this in my class, but wouldn't you agree that the Texas Panhandle has its own unique culture? Yeah, absolutely. Different and, from the rest of the state. Different from the rest, from of, the the rest of the High Plains? like Totally. I, I, I try to get students to explore that. What's different about this? And, you know, a lot of students that have grown up here from Amarillo and Tulia and LaFours and Pampa, they don't realize that because they haven't gone out and seen how different um, other cultures are and how different we are here. Uh, so I tell go out and explore, travel abroad like your daughter has. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I've taken students on travel, go out and explore the world. You can always come back. And you and most of the time when you come back, you see how fortunate we are to be from this area. Yeah, there's, uh, I'm always surprised because I, I have traveled how good it is still to come home. You know, it's you think you're escaping yeah. a place, but then you're you're ready to come back. Yeah, I'm with you. I love travel. Uh, I, I, I'm going to England in, in a few days, um, and I love going over there. I've been to a lot of places in the world. I've played a lot of places. But, man, it's always good to come home, and I'm always a little bit more appreciative of my home when I come back. Well, I've got you here. I want to ask you about uh, the radio station at WT because I know there's a big anniversary coming up. Um, and and for for listeners who maybe aren't familiar with that history, what's meaningful to you about that? Well, I graduated from Pampa, like I told you, and, and discovered WT. And one of the things that I discovered at WT was KWTS. KWTS is the campus radio station, which is completely ran and managed by mm-hmm. students. And that call sign dates back to West, West Texas, Texas State. State. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, and so I mean that's that was my sorority. And fraternity, you know, when I was on campus, we all hung out together. And uh, that's what I, I've always loved creativity, you know, and I've loved movies and audio production and music. And I just really connected with that. And so KWTS is a special place to me. And if you think about it, we went on the air in 1972. So this year we've been on the air for 50 years. Yeah. There have literally been thousands of people that have been on the air at KWTS. And, I, and it may be the only time they're ever on the radio. Um, and maybe some people's only experience with the media in any ways, but I, I think it's a special place, and, and, and I think it has a special place in a lot of people's hearts. So this this year is our 50th anniversary, so we really wanted to throw a big party. Mm-hmm. So we're excited about it. And I, I know that, well, I, I can think of several people in the media landscape of Amarillo, people like Wilson Lemieux, um, you know, who, who kind of got their start with, with broadcasting mm-hmm. and with that world and creativity and all that stuff uh, at WT. And I, I always appreciate, and it's the same way with Amarillo College. I appreciate how there's, it, it takes that education out of like a, an ivory tower classroom setting and you're plopping kids in front of a microphone and saying, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. here's your show, do it. 
um, that's, I mean, that's where people really, really learn and really get the confidence to, to carry that through, whether they end up in a career doing that or not. Yeah, I agree with you. And sometimes students will come to my office and they're almost apologetic. Well, I'm not working in the media. I don't care. You're a communicator mm-hmm. still. And you're communicating in different capacities. So I think our department, our program, does a great job of teaching people to communicate, which I think is really important these days. I want to switch gears a little bit. I I know that in addition to your work on campus, you're very involved in the Canyon community um, as a a city commissioner. Tell me about that and, and why you decided to go that route. One of the things we re- we really emphasize in the communication department is giving back. You know, we, we call it service learning, so we try to get really involved with different kinds of service and, and getting students involved with different organizations uh, like Snack Pack or like Fill with Hope or any kind of nonprofit. I did just think that's part of um, being a good citizen is giving back. And so I needed to practice what I preached. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is my second term as city commissioner, and I, it's a lot of work. But I love it because I love Canyon. You know, I, I'm very fortunate. I to live in Canyon and, and got to move back to Canyon, and just helping Canyon takes the next take the next step. You know, when I was when I was going to WT, and I don't know if this was what it was like when you were going there, but there was a big disconnect between the city of Canyon and WT. Yeah, I think that's true. But that's a lot better now, and I think finally the city of Canyon realizes, you know what, we are a, we're a college town. And maybe we can act like it a little bit. I'm on a I'm on a committee that we are working on the revitalization of downtown, and we're getting that rocking. I'm excited about that. Yesterday, I had a committee meeting about trying to bring in a new kind of big festival into Canyon. So that kind of thing, I love doing. You know, I'll be the first to admit that when it comes to budget stuff, I'm not too good at that. <laughs> but when it, when it's vision casting and thinking about the future, I love doing that kind of stuff. One conversation I've had. Um, pretty often with people who have gotten involved with the government. And sometimes it's, you know, you, you have an elected position like a city commissioner. Sometimes you're just serving on a board or, um, you know, helping plan an event or whatever that looks like. But there's always a big learning process, you know, when you're coming from the outside in Mm -hmm. and start to think about how a city runs Um, How does a government operate? What's the municipality, you know, structure and all that stuff? And I wonder if that, like, what have you learned about Canyon itself being in the position that you're in and and having to get into the guts of how things work? (laughs) Well, I will tell you about probably I would say 70 percent of my job as a city commissioner is dealing with development. Okay. And why is that? Is because Canyon is blowing up. It's where all the growth is in this area. Yeah, I mean, it's, and even out, you know, even the stuff that feels like it's part of Amarillo is growing into the Canyon. Growing School into District. Canyon, so I've had to learn a lot about development and infrastructure. Mm-hmm. You know, s- sewers and water and all that stuff, which I didn't have a clue about. You know, it's funny we. I've been to a lot of conferences in my career, but my conferences usually are with broadcasting equipment and it's with microphones and it's with cameras, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Well, as a city commissioner, I'm going to conferences and now I'm learning about trash trucks, you know, and stoplight stuff that I didn't have a clue about. So you're exactly right. It's a huge learning curve. And this is my second term. And really my first term was just learning. Just catching up. Just catching up and getting where I needed to be. But it's about it's about making good decisions. And um, I think that if you do your homework and you hang around with the right people, uh, that helps you make 
the right decision. And I and I want to make the right decision for the for the, the citizens of Canyon because they love Canyon. I love Canyon, so I want to make sure that I'm voicing what they want me to voice. Yeah, you've, you've talked a little bit about how Canyon has changed um, since you were there uh, as a college student. I, I wonder, you know, we, we talk a lot on this podcast about the future of Amarillo uh, because it is Amarillo-focused, but like Canyon, you know, Canyon needs to to dream for the future too. And, and its growth is tied to Amarillo's growth and they kind of feed off of each other. I wonder like, what's the state of of Canyon, Texas, and kind of where it's gotten right now, and, and, and what kind of foundation are you trying to lay for, you know, the, the next generation or so? Yeah, well, Canyon's in a fantastic place. The thing that we have to do as a city commission is making sure the growth is healthy. Okay. You know, and you got you got to be careful that it doesn't grow too fast, because there are cities that have done that, and it's hurt, they can't keep up. Well, and Austin, Texas, you know. Yeah, their infrastructure can't can't handle it and things implode. So we got to be able to watch that. Um, I, I, and you're exactly right. Amarillo and Canyon are so closely tied together. And we talk a lot about Amarillo because, you know, that's the big brother down the road. And we look a lot at Amarillo and I, I look at things like Hodgetown in Amarillo and the way that they've started the revitalization of downtown. I love that, man. Mm-hmm. I love the feel of going to see the sod poodles play and walking around down there. I know they got a ways to go, and they're still working on that. Uh, but that is the direction that communities like Amarillo and Canyon, we need to think about. We need to just keep pushing. We need to keep pushing. There's no such thing as keeping everything the way it is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You're either changing forward or you're going backwards. You can't keep things the way they are. So let's push forward and make things better for our grandkids. I think everyone who's in a leadership position, whether it's in a smaller town like Canyon or in a place like Amarillo, is is fighting against that perception of the people who want it to stay the way it is. Um, there's there's a lot of perception of I don't want it to change or I don't want it to grow so fast that I don't recognize it. I like it just like this. Why can't we just stay the same? I wonder if you could talk more about that, that if you're not moving forward, you're moving backward. Like, why is it so important to continue that forward progress? Clint Brakebill is a, do you know Clint? He I know is, Clint, he, yeah. he is a, you know, sportscaster on Channel 4. And I he didn't know I was there, but I, I heard him speak one time. And he said, let me quote one of my old professors, Randy Ray. And he said, you change or you die. Hmm. And I and I believe that, you know. I love the Texas Panhandle, but one thing about the Texas Panhandle, we are adverse to change in a lot of ways. We like we we're comfortable with the way things are. But I th- I think you have to keep pushing forward. And you do not have to leave behind your culture and the things that you love and the things you believe in. I think change a lot of times is just making the old things better. Okay. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Do you think so? I think you're right. I mean, I, I think about um, that resistance to change. You know, if you're on a bicycle and you're just coasting, that's yeah. great. It's you're, easy. You're going to stop It's eventually. fun. It's quiet. But eventually, yeah, you're going to yeah. run out of momentum. When you run out of momentum, you fall. And I, I feel like, I think part of it is baked into the conservatism of the area. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of that conservative mindset is how we've gotten here. And it's important to conserve the way it was, but you can't live in that past without 
continuing to move forward. And so there's, you don't want that conservatism to hold you back or to keep you resistant to any kind of change. Jason, I think you are a prime example of, of what, what, what we're talking about. Just the work you've done. You, you're a writer. You're doing these podcasts, but you're still Amarillo. You're still this area, but you're still creative, and you're bringing newness to what we do. And so I, I think I think you're the poster child for what I'm talking about, uh, pressing forward, but still keeping your identity. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you can talk about coming back here and sort of reinventing yourself here, because um, this is career, what, number three for you, I guess, the, the academic side of it. And you ended up back in you know the Amarillo and Canyon area. From Nashville, a place that you love, like, do, do you look back and are you kind of surprised that this is who you are and this is what you do now? No, because it's all been really connected. Okay. I mean, you know, I'm still doing creative stuff with my students. I'm, st- I'm just guiding them through creativity now. So I'm still involved with creativity. I'm still playing. I Honestly, I play more music now than I did in Nashville. Really? You know, I'm play- I play at church a lot. I'm playing in a local classic rock band called No Agenda. So I play a lot. And so... I don't know that it's that different, you know, and it's still me. And it's still, like I told you earlier, I love encouraging students with creativity. And so it's still, it's, I don't know that it's been that big a career change. And I've always believed in giving back. So being part of the city commission is not really that different either. Okay. So that's interesting that you'd think that, but yeah, I, I think it's just, I'm doing what I'm doing. Just me. I love the stories of people who, leave here and go out and have an interesting career. And then that career ends up bringing them back here. And sometimes they're surprised. They're like, yeah, I didn't think this would happen, but here I am and I love it. And sometimes they're like, oh, this, this feels completely natural, you know, kind of like you. Uh, and it, it really is the same story. It's just whether they thought it would happen or not. Yeah. And I'm, I'm fortunate. I'm, I'm so fortunate that I've known so many people that have moved away to Nashville or LA or to New York. And, you know, it didn't, it didn't happen. And they come back with their, you know, their head hung hung down. And I, I'm fortunate that I got to go and do what I wanted to do. And, and and I'm also very fortunate that I get to share those experiences with the next generation. And I love doing it here because this is this is my roots. This is where I'm from. And again, I think sometimes in the Texas Panhandle and in the smaller towns, I think young people, a lot of times, are not encouraged mm-hmm. to dr- think outside the box. Mm-hmm. You know, this is an ad community. This is a oil community. So sometimes they think if they want to if they want to make movies, if they want to work in, in the movie industry, well, you can't really do that here. Well, yeah, you can. I mean, we have a new film studio mm-hmm. in town now. Or go and do that, and you can always come back. So I, 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 th- I think that that, again, I think that's getting better too. Yeah. Uh, but for the longest time, uh, thinking outside the box was kind of, you know, you're a bit of an outsider. But I, I think that's changing. Last question I want to ask you in this section, uh, just because you have such a, a, a deep career in the music industry and live music, what what have you realized about the music scene here in Amarillo and Canyon and the Texas Panhandle? You're playing on a regular basis with no agenda. Um, is is it something that you've seen a lot of growth lately? Is it is it something that is kind of stagnated? Like like where are we in terms of live music? It can always be better. The music scene here, I wouldn't say it's vibrant. I say I say it's pretty solid, um, but it's a pretty small community. I think that's something we need to work on. And it's not just music. I think it's 
arts, and I think it's writing. I think we just need to have a more vibrant, creative community here. And it's better than it used to be. Mm-hmm. It used to be. Uh, Amarillo is more of a creative town than people give it credit for. You know, There's some fantastic musicians here. There's fantastic writers like you here. There's fantastic artists. Um, I, I just think we need to maybe pay a little bit more attention to them. This episode of Hey Amarillo is supported by Purpose and Passion Boutique. Located in Wolfland Village, Purpose and Passion combines shopping with great causes. So the gifts you buy there are gifts that give back. They're gifts with a purpose. And I love the story and focus of Purpose and Passion. And I even interviewed owner Kristen DeWright for this podcast back in May of this year. Right now, the boutique is accepting donations for the organization Colorful Closets. And this will last throughout the month of August. Colorful Closets needs new or gently used boys and men's shorts along with new underwear for all ages. So visit Purpose and Passion Boutique in Wolfland Village. Shop online at purposeandpassionboutique.com. And if you have clothes you'd like to donate to Colorful Closets, take those there as well. Okay, I'm back with Randy Ray. Randy, this is the part of the show I call Eight Straight. Eight Straight is sponsored every week by Panhandle Plains Historical Museum and Canyon on the WT campus. I know you're familiar with a it. A fantastic place. It, I am, I'm on a committee there, too, and we are looking at uh, ways of making that uh, better and thinking about the future. Yeah, the, and there's a lot the of interesting conversations happening there. Yeah, I love that place. I have since I was a little bitty. I did too. It's the it's the largest history museum in Texas. I remember going to it when I was a kid, and I loved all the dinosaurs, fossils, and all that stuff. Um, its collection includes right now, though, a special exhibit called Georgia O'Keeffe's Cabinet of Curiosity, which pairs symbolic objects from the museum's permanent collection with her own letters in which she described living in Canyon, you know, in 1916, 1917, when she was here. So you can see that, learn more about that at panhandleplains.org. Okay, we've talked a little bit in this direction, but I, I want to give you an uh, opportunity to, to give something specific. When you think about Amarillo and Canyon 10 years from now, what do you hope for? Well, man, we touched, we touched on that earlier, um, but when I think about the future of Amarillo and Canyon, I think we're headed that way. And I, what I want is to see more vibrant. I've used vibrant a lot today. <laughs> uh, a more exciting downtown. And, mm-hmm. you know, Canyon is really working hard on making their downtown, their downtown square, even better. More restaurants, more retail, maybe bringing in a theater. Uh, and, and so we're working on that. And I know Amarillo's doing the same. We mentioned Hodgetown. So 15 years from now, I, I want to see both places just rocking. Okay. Other than wind, what does this area have too much of? I thought about, I've been thinking about this. I think we have too much wasting of water. Okay. And this is, this may be a little controversial, but I, I, when you think about our greatest resource that we have here, the thing that we need more than anything else, it's water. And I I think that we waste it too much. And, you know, 90% of our water goes to irrigation. Mm Mm-hmm. And I know some people are not going to like hearing this, but who needs water more, people or crops? Mm-hmm. And I know we need crops to eat, but we got to start conserving more water because I don't want your daughter, Ellie's kids, someday to not be able to live here because we don't have any water. Right. So that's too much water wasting. And that's the the reason that's so hard is because it does require that generational outlook. It's not about, oh, can I have a nice green yard this summer? 
when it's 108 degrees, it's what's it going to be like 30 years from now? What's it going to be like, you know, when the next generation is is trying to carve out a living here? Is that even going to be possible? Is it even going to be possible? We've got to be careful about that. It's very limited. And um, part of my job as a city commissioner is making sure that we uh, we try to conserve as much water as we can now and that we think about water in the future. Okay. What does this area not have enough of well, besides we just, water? <laughs> we don't have enough water and we don't have enough we talked about that earlier too. I don't think we embrace the arts enough. Much better than it used to be. Mm-hmm. I would love to see more film festivals. I would love to see music festivals. I, you know, we we've got areas now like that Sunset Center is starting to develop and, and, and to embrace that kind of thing. I just want people to realize that the Texas Panhandle and Amarillo is a creative place. Let's just let's just embrace it and celebrate it. Yeah. And I think we've made some really good steps. I, do too. I think I do too. when you look at Hoodoo uh, Mural Festival and, and Music Festival, like those types of events are, are getting national attention. Uh, and all it takes is seeing that, hey, this worked. Let's try something along similar lines. But yeah. You know, yeah. Let's, let's do a film festival. Yeah. Instead. And it, uh, I hope I don't come across as negative because it is so much better than it used to be. When I was growing up, creativity. You know, it was something that a lot of people didn't, didn't really understand. But I think a lot of people are starting to come around and, and realize what a fortunate place and creative place mm-hmm. we live in. How do you describe this area to people who don't live here? So you're talking about Amarillo or you're talking about Canyon. Uh, somebody at one of those. I talked to my, I still have a lot of close friends in Nashville. And whenever I talk about this area, I say everything is in extremes. And they say, what do you mean by that? Well, it's really extremely windy, mm-hmm. it's extremely hot, it's extremely cold. But also, the people are extremely nice and extremely friendly. What's your favorite part of the WT campus? I would be crazy if I didn't say my little corner of the Sybil B. Harrington Fine Arts Complex because, I mean, that was a a once-in-a-career-lifetime opportunity for me to get to design these studios the Mm -hmm. way I wanted to. So it's got the radio station. It's got two TV studios. It's got all these edit suites. And I got to design it the way I wanted it, and I got to build most of it. So that's where my heart is. But another place that's really special to me on campus is probably the Hill Chapel because mm-hmm. my daughter got married there. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a really neat part of the campus. Yeah. Kind of yeah. Sometimes I, I like going over there and just kind of hanging out and being alone. It's yeah. a great place to do that. What's your favorite local restaurant? Without doubt, Coyote Bluff. Okay. Um, my son, uh, who works for ESPN, just flew in a few days ago. First place we stopped, Coyote Bluff. You get the burger from hell there? He did. That's his okay. favorite thing. He had. I went with the green chilies. Not, um, so you I, can't I really go the, wrong there, though. Like, you can't go wrong. Any, everything is good yeah. there. We love it there. The vibe is cool, too. Yeah. yeah. What's your favorite coffee shop? I really love the Palace and Canyon. You know, Patrick's a great guy, and he started a really fantastic chain. It's really great, and I love going there because I always go in there and know everyone. Mm-hmm. But I also love Journey, too. Journey's a new coffee shop yeah. in, in Canada. That's really cool, too. And right I like across it too. from the, uh, the FUB? First United Bank Center, yeah. yeah. So, and good folks there. Both of them, really different vibes, mm-hmm. you know. So depending on what mood you're in, I guess, or what mood I'm in is which one I go to. Okay, good. I think that's the first mention that Journey has gotten on yeah, this podcast. Good people so I'm glad that you yeah. brought them up. It's a cool place. Okay, and lastly, when was the last time you visited Paladuro Canyon? I actually officiated a wedding there uh, last October. So that was the last time we were supposed to go 
uh, last weekend mm-hmm. uh, on a jeeping excursion, but my son's flight was late and we had to cancel it. So last October for that wedding, but uh, I think I'm going next weekend. Okay. Yeah. As, as long as it's not 108 degrees. I, I don't, don't care. Think. I don't care. <laughs> okay. Well, Randy, that concludes the eight straight questions. I like to close by asking my guests to endorse something. So what's one thing you would like listeners to know about or to experience? You've heard me talk. I hope I don't come across too bragging on it, but man, I really think we have a fantastic university right down the road. West Texas A&M University is a fantastic place to work. It's a fantastic place to go to school. You went to school there. I did. I went to school there. And, and I want to just brag on the communication department. The number one characteristic, the number one skill set that employers are looking for these days is the ability to communicate. And I think we do a really fantastic job of the communication department teaching people how to be effective communicators, be it one-on-one or be it to the masses. So I, I'm really proud of our university. I'm really proud of the department I work in. So I'm going to endorse Sam. Okay, I will take that. Randy <laughs> Ray, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Man, I, I appreciate it. It's always good to get to talk to you. We always have a lot in common. We do. Yeah. I was not in a world-traveling rock band, but uh, beyond that. Yeah, but you're a fantastic drummer, so well. we're musicians, and I'll... I, Always the favorite person in the band. I probably shouldn't be saying this. My favorite person in every band I've ever been in has always been the drummer. Bass players and drummers always lock That's in right. together. That's right. That's yeah. right. Well, now now everybody knows. Everybody knows now. <laughs> Don't pay attention to the lead singers or the flashy yeah. people. Watch what's happening in the back. It's all about the rhythm section. That's right. All right. Thanks, Randy. And that concludes the episode. I want to say thanks to Randy for the interview. Thanks to Angelina Marie for editing this episode and also to sponsors... Purpose and Passion Boutique, and Panhandle Plains Historical Museum for supporting the show. This podcast exists on a weekly basis because of listeners like you and the local people who support it financially through patreon.com slash heyamarillo. Hey Amarillo's executive producers include Jess Heredia, Josh Wood, Corey Burns, Wilson Lemieux, Wes Reeves, Patrick Burns, Jason Burr, Katie Linger, and Barbara and Jim Witten. This has been episode 261. My name is Jason Boyette. And I'll see you next week.